eye on the street below. Alfred says I have trouble with intimacy, but people often die when they get close to me. I'm kicking and punching. Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Threekly Weekly Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. I'm Vince, with me are Zach and Brian, as always. Uh, as a reminder, we'll be breaking down the latest issue with full spoilers, so if you haven't read issue number 11 yet, which is what we're on uh, for this episode, then damn it, go back and read it before listening. So, okay guys, a little summary of the issue here. We start at Mudge Island, which sounds like a uh, Monty Python sketch. Um, <laughs> but it's apparently in British Columbia. I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, but anyway, Harper and Dick are looking for David Kane. They're talking to the sculptor who we met last issue. Uh, and she's a telepath. Uh, and she opens up looking into Harper's mind when we meet her. Um, the sculptor wants Harper and Dick to stop mother even though she works for mother um because now mother's gone into hiding and she's planning on destroying all of her children and uh, the the sculptor sculptor wants to put a stop to that so um she wants to engage in a telepathic quote unquote mind share with dick but dick says that the hypnos um from spiral could be dangerous for them both so instead harper offers to do the mind share uh, it's here that Harper sees Cass sparring with the orphan, who is David Kane, her father, uh, which I think we all probably should have saw coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, it seems obvious now. Um, but anyway, well, we learn that he's barred her from speaking or interacting with other people um, because he feels like she would hone her physical skills by not using verbal skills or like learning how to interact with people but anyway she he keeps harper in this like hiding place away from mother uh which you mean cassie right oh did i say harper yeah i'm sorry cass raised by david kane um uh she's showing harper this hiding place where uh david was training cass um it's a place where he literally slaughters people in front of her <laughs> to traumatize her uh, in contrast with Mother, who has been using fear toxin to traumatize her creations. Um, he, he's giving her actual trauma. Uh, he also teaches her how to fight. Um, they spar and things like that. Eventually, David shows Cass to Mother, and she's actually appalled by his methods. So... Um, she tells David that she never wants to see Cass again, uh, that his way is not the correct way to go about things. David disagrees. He said that Cass is stronger than any of Mother's children because his methods are actually real and hers are just psychotropics. Um, so David vows in the end that he will prove that Mother's wrong and that his method is is the better one for creating a strong offspring. So after that, the sculptor mistakenly, I don't know, goes a little bit too far in the mind share and shows Harper a vision of Cass slitting someone's throat. Um, to be fair to Cass, she's 
uh, tearful and seemingly regretful about it. <laughs> but nonetheless, she still slaughters whoever this person is. Um, and then uh, the sculptor also shows a vision of Batman um, talking to Mother about the improved Robin that he's going to get from her. So uh, Harper kind of, the mind share kind of shorts out at that moment. I don't know if Harper's like in shock or something. Um, she kind of lets loose that, that Batman was doing this in the vision. And so, of course, Dick hears this and he flips out. Uh, now Dick wants to see the vision of Batman and this quote-unquote replacement Robin uh, that the sculptor showed to Harper. And he sort of wrestles with her to try to get her to show this vision, even though it might be dangerous for the both of them. Um, again, apparently because of the hypnos. Um, is that, that that's where the issue ends? Is that everything? That seems good to me. Okay, that was dark. <laughs> it was a dark issue. You're right. <laughs> yeah. There's some really bleak shit in this issue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just the pages of just piles of bodies. <laughs> so. So I think we've praised this series in the past for kind of, um, especially the first four issues, showed kind of like a lighter side of the Batman family because we're, we're hanging out with the youth. And, and you know, Dick they is a, an optimist. Right, he's an optimist. And they were at a party where they're like fighting with baking utensils and things like <laughs> that. And it was all very fun. And this issue is a very terrible argument for or an arg- a, a very bad argument against the idea that DC is super dark and gritty. <laughs> yeah. Because that's pretty much all this was. Now, I will say some of it felt earned. I won't say all of it felt earned, but I feel like it wasn't... A lot of it was the natural... the natural progression of the story. It's not yeah. like it was a story about a picnic that all of a sudden, like a gang rape broke that broke out. You know, like it was <laughs> it was a pretty dark story, even if we hadn't been seeing it necessarily in its darkest terms. Yeah, that happens in uh, in Joe Casey's Sex. <laughs> yes, <So>. it does. <laughs> so um, you can listen to the Sex Monthly Multiversity Podcast. <laughs> Hear about that, but. Uh, I just thought of a terrible name for that podcast. I don't let it be. Let's just let's just move on. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, and I and I think also Cassandra Kane in general. I might get some people jumping down my throat for saying this, but I think her character is an inherently darker one to begin with. Oh, absolutely. Like she's always been a supremely sort of effed up, or has had a supremely effed up background. So what they did with her here was not out of the realm of what has been done with her before, except that this was so graphic that you can't, like, it's not subtle at all. This actually reminded me a bit of how Frank Miller would have written Cassandra Cain. Yeah, like, that's, take, I can see that. Take the most, like, take, take, take the furthest... Uh, logical point from her actual character, and and this is what you get. Um, Zach, what did you think? Um, I mean, it was cool to like, I guess, see 
some more of the background. I actually, I assume we'll get more like revelations next issue. This issue was geared more towards Cass's origin. Like the sculptor even said at one point, like now we're just going to focus on, uh, (laughs) on Cass, on Cassandra, you know, like, which was fine. You know, it, it wasn't my favorite issue, but I did really like the, um, the mind meld scenes. I thought Fernando Blanco did a, did a really good job. He was somebody we saw a lot in the original Batman eternal. And I feel like he's, um, even better here. The colors were, were really good. Yes. I don't remember who was on colors. Let's Um, go back. John Roush. Okay. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a really good looking issue. I liked all of the. Uh, I liked the the color palette, the blues and pinks and purples. It kind of helped. Um, you know, I, lighten's not the right word, but balance, I guess, maybe the um, the darkness of the issue. Yeah, yeah, it's not which like, is also uh... it's also um, Harper colors. Yeah, you know, yeah the purples and the blues, which makes sense, I guess, if they're in her mind. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice touch. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess expanding upon, upon what you said, Zach, um, you said it wasn't your favorite issue. I, through no fault, I think of Ed Brisson or the artists, it probably was my least favorite issue of Batman Eternal so far. Um, I mean, it's essentially the information dump issue. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's and it's it's overly grim. Which I don't I don't want to sound like that's never appropriate for comics. Like I feel like sometimes I harp too heavily on on DC being grim when like really you need some of that stuff and you need it in the Bat books too. You know, right. but like it has a place there. It does, but like, <laughs> I don't know, like at a certain point you can, you can be really dark without like, God, I hate to sound like a prude because I'm not. Without having but, a father ritually slaughter people in front of his daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Like, like, or you can do that and then you can, you can imply it, you know, or you can, <laughs> you can show without showing, you know? Yeah. I don't want them to just tell either, but like, and again, I don't think that's the fault of the artist or the writer. I think that's just the way comics are now, you know, like the weekly status quo Batman book is going to be PG 13 at minimum, you know, pretty much forever from like from now on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, again, I'm not a prude. It's just like, Oh man, it's Batman and Robin Eternal, and I can't show this to like anyone younger than me. I don't know. Right? No, I agree with that. <laughs> so I know I'm harping on that, but but like, I I thought I I did like Ed Brisson's script. Like I thought he he threw some character bits into there. Like he has a voice. He's not he like his voice is added to this series now. You know. Yes. Um. I, and I think he did a good job that way. And I liked the art, just like Zach said. Um, I guess I'm just 
uh, disappointed's not even the right word, but like, you know, I'm, I'm in no place to say this, but the story just didn't is not going where I hoped it would go. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does, and I also think that this is one of those situations where it maybe when we look back on it, it won't seem as harsh as it did reading it today. You know, when when taken in the full context of the story, maybe it'll seem more not appropriate, but it'll feel less out of place, perhaps. Yeah. But right now, it really does stick out a bit like a sore thumb, and you know. Um, I guess my biggest problem with it is I feel like I feel like the the quote new origin of Cass of Cass Kane is like the most new fifty two thing I could imagine. Like let's <laughs> let, let's let's take something that already has a lot of heart and a lot of heft to it, and let's just make it unbearably bleak, without a really good explanation as to why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can, I yeah, yeah, I can go there with you. It also seems to me like, I don't know, I know, Vince, you're not totally caught up, and I know Zach's a little bit behind, but David Kane reminded me a lot of Malcolm Merlin in this issue from Arrow, mm. just in this, like, this father who who is preparing his daughter to be something, like, in his image that ultimately will fuck her up yeah. forever. Yeah, it's really funny that you mentioned that because I actually thought that too. Um, it reminded me a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it works better on Arrow than it does here. Let, let me say that. I don't know. I don't know that it works great on Arrow either. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. But, but I think <laughs> but, it works yeah. better than it does than Yeah, it did here. I think so too. Just because, I, you know, I guess we know those characters a little bit better or it. You you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's been some development there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, there's a precedent for for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I uh, I thought I thought Dick was really weird in this issue. Um, like, so the in the, I don't think it was meant to be read this way. But in the scene where the where Harper and the sculptor kind of like, you know, something happens and Harper is like saying Batman and I guess Dick hears her say that. And then he's like, what? Whoa, you're talking about Batman? And then he like goes and shocks the sculptor immediately after. He's like, wait, no one can talk about Batman without me. It's, it's like when the Began Strips dog hears bacon. Yes. <laughs> It's Batman! <laughs> I'm so glad you guys got that. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It just... I mean, I get, like... Obviously, he's, like, heavily invested, and he, like... I think would have preferred to be the person doing the mind meld thing, but he couldn't. And... I, I don't know. He just seemed really, uh... Like obsessive and yeah, he, he almost, controlling, uh, very Bruce-like almost. I yeah, I was just gonna say it reminds me of like how obsessive Bruce is earlier in the series about like, oh, none of these people are good enough for me, you know, like, yeah. like I need to find a better Robin, you know, like, like just this very like 
leap, like logical leap that he takes, you know, and just goes gung ho with it. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, from I, I feel like Dick is the optimist, but he's also really good at reading the ta- reading the cards when they're on the table. And I feel like if he feels like maybe one of the people that he loves is one of Mother's creations, then it's like driving him a little bit mad. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he really is the one that like sticks up for family more than any anyone else. And you know it can't be him. Whereas, right. like, you know, one of the reasons that, that I'm sure Jason and Tim want to know is because there's a chance that that they are a creation of Mother, but he knows he can't be. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he's taking on a more patternistic role in the family with Bruce Gaughan, where he feels like it's his responsibility to protect the members of the family. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know. I did think that Dick reacting the way he did was a little bit out of character, but it didn't bother me too much. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same. Like, I, I read it that way mostly because, because I thought it was funny, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I could see in this situation, well, like, obviously, like you said, he, like, you know, is kind of the paternal figure now, and also... He, like, probably feels betrayed by Bruce and wants to, like, get to, like, figure out exactly what's going on. Yeah, sure. Just, you know, hoping against hope that it's not what it seems. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was, it was like, Dick. Like, I didn't feel it was out of character, but it was, like, dialed to 11. Yeah. Yes. I know, I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, anything else before we get to our one thing? Mm-mm. I don't think so. Zach, you want to start us off? Yeah, because I have one that I feel like might be something that one of you guys has too. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and throw it out there. But, okay. Um, do we know how Harper's mom died? No. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how she died. <laughs> okay. I don't know if we do or not. I don't know if we do either. I feel like they've talked about it before, but I can't remember. I'm but consulting just... the Google machine, so we'll see. Okay. Okay. But uh, I feel like this scene with Cass murdering this woman, I feel like there's more to it than just having Harper see Cass murder someone. I thought it was going to be uh, Cullen. Like, before they said it was a woman... Uh-huh. I thought it was going to be Cass murdering Cullen. Well, I I oh. feel like it's it might be Cass's mom. Because this is like a memory. Yeah. Or something. Uh, I, I feel like it just... I, I don't know. I, I That was the first thing I thought. I was like, I wonder if this is Cass's, uh, Harper's mom. Um, I like that, and that, and that And that, like, if Harper... Say Harper is, like, one of Mother's children it would make sense for maybe like Harper's parents to be dealt like needed to be dealt with for mother's sake or whatever, you know, and Cass would be someone who might be in charge of doing that or like tasked with doing that. Right. Cause you know, like the whole idea of like these, these mother's children being like, you know, tragedy or, or, you know, whatever is the, is the seed um, 
I don't know. It just definitely seemed like Harper, you know, she's on the list. She has something to do with mother. And wasn't she on the list? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, you know, maybe like the, the death of her mother, that's like the orchestrated tragedy. And maybe Cass was the tool in that. And it seems like it would be like a very logical place to take the story with the way that their relationship has been developing, like to throw that conflict in there. Yeah. Well done, Zach. We'll see. That, that is really interesting. I would have never thought of that. Well done. Uh, you want me to go, Vince? Sure, yeah. Okay, this is a totally superficial one because we talked about a bunch of the things I wanted to talk about. But is it just me, or does the sculptor look like she should be in Prince's backing band? <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, she's wearing purple... She has the close, the close cropped hair and the sunglasses. Uh huh. I feel like she should be in Third Eye Girl. Yeah, sure. Um, beyond that, uh, what I wanted to talk about a little bit was how David Kane bears a striking resemblance to Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he he really is like Asian Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and, and I'm putting Asian in quotes here because he doesn't look all that Asian. In a lot of the scenes. No, but he did in a previous issue. Right, did, yeah. Didn't he? I think so. Um, but I wonder if there's going to be something discussed of, like, how Mother has a type that she tends to target. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't necessarily mean, like... Mother has a type. Uh, mother boys. <laughs> yeah, Mother, mother say that that brownish spot with points or yeah. what? <laughs> oh when he accidentally flirts with lucille too yeah 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 yep, yep. all uh, right vince what's your one thing my one thing you you mentioned prince i'm gonna mention like the grateful dead or something because <laughs> that cover oh my god yeah i love that cover that cover not 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 to like I sound like I'm really, really negative on the issue, which, you know, like I still, I didn't hate it, you know, but that cover is the most interesting thing about the issue by a long shot. I agree. It definitely is. It's incredible. I want I, that on my wall almost. I mean, if you look at it, like, you know, at one point, Dick is kind of sort of like skiing <laughs> on the stick that Harper is carrying and then, like, her arm extends out and turns into Dick Grayson. And, like, there's just, there's just like, it, it's like looking at a picture inside a picture inside a picture. Like, everything is just building on the thing it's connected to. And it's it's really well done. It yeah. is really well done. Gia March used to be an artist I didn't care too much for. Just because I felt like, you know, he was one of those artists who was known more for, like, his, uh, like, cheesecake-iness. Right. Um, but I feel like right around the time of the original Eternal and maybe like a little bit before that, he kind of like his art took on a bit more of a like darker, darker, maybe not darker. I I don't know. It was when he like started pairing with, um, there's a certain colorist that he works a lot with. I can't remember the colorist name off the top of my head, but I really like 
their work together. But yeah, he's done some really good stuff on the bad books. I'm kind yeah. of surprised we haven't seen an issue from him yet, have we? No. The, an internal? I don't believe so. Because some of his, some of the issues that he did in the original Eternal were some of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely gotten more like experimental and um, like he plays with panel layouts more than he used to, and and clearly his cover work is like bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I wish see, like I know they're trying to evoke the the mind share with this cover, you know, but I yeah. kind of wish the mind share in the comic looked more, more like, like this. this. Yeah. You know, I like agree. More psychedelic. Um, not that it wasn't perfectly serviceable, but could you imagine if it was like a total mind fuck? Yeah. Uh, we, we said this in the past, but ever since issue four, there's only been one cover that hasn't been like stunning. I have two, the, the two Tony Daniel covers, have not been bad, but they certainly haven't been as good as the others. Uh, we had, you know, a cover, a couple, couple covers by uh, Paul Pelletier, uh, Francis Manipal did one, um, uh, Eduardo Pinosin did one, uh, he did two. I'm sorry. And then last month we had, um, last week rather, um, what's his name? He did. Uh, Convergence this year, a uh, Carla Pagalan. Uh, I never know how to pronounce his last name, but like we've had, we've had great cover art in this in this series too. Mm-hmm. Truly, truly great. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. All right, thanks for listening, folks. We'll uh, see you next week. Good night.